Thank you for coming, and um, it's an absolute pleasure for me to be able to introduce um, Sandra Rubley, who is a researcher at Swiss Peace, or a research analyst at Swiss Peace. Um, Swiss Peace, as um, I'm sure some of you know, already has been involved in the field of, of conflict and peace studies since 1988, and they take both a, a um, research and a, and a practice approach um, to that. Um, Sandra sort of comes from this sort of background. Um, she previously worked at the Finance Alliance for Sustainable Trade, where she looked at Burundi, the DRC, Ethiopia, and Somalia. And then since she's come to Swiss Peace, she sort of retained that focus in the, in the Great Lakes region, and it's really that sort of expertise that we're going to be drawing on this evening, um, where she's currently doing her PhD, and it's that, it's, and it's that, that she's going to be talking to us, particularly around the theoretical frameworks that she's using to, to explore transitional justice issues in Burundi. And it's, and it's with that that she's going to be talking about transitional justice, an instrument for political struggle in Burundi. Um, Sandra has, a, has an MA in political science and, um, and is currently, as I said, doing her PhD. So it's fantastic to have you here. And um, as I work on Rwanda, as I said, it's very interesting to, to always have that comparative point with Burundi. Um, it's an area that we've discussed a little bit in OTJR this term. So, um, so I'm very much looking forward to, to hearing your talk. Thank you very much, Nikki, and thank you very much for this nice well warm welcome. <laughs> so um, today I'm going to present um, somehow the theoretical and conceptual framework um, for my PhD. I will illustrate it with some empirical data from Burundi, but the presentation is not about Burundi, so don't worry. Um, Burundi is not very well known, but if you have uh, some questions about Burundi, um, I'm glad to, or I hope I can answer them and give you some more information on that. Um, before I start, I just want to say some words about um, my empirical data. Um, I mainly did interviews in Burundi with politicians, um, representatives of um, civil society organizations, um, government uh, or uh, governmental authorities, but also like with ordinary citizens. So I went up country and um, I worked with an interpreter. So um, as I'm looking at discourses and values and beliefs, I, um, I think it's very important to reflect also on the construction of knowledge you're doing um, in your PhD or during research. So um, I will also, um, I don't elaborate on this too much here, but in my PhD I will also address um, my own positionality and as um, I worked with an interpreter I have also to reflect on his positionality especially in an ethnic divided um, context as Burundi is so I had the luck that um, my research assistant was of mixed descendants so his father was a Tutsi and his mother is a Hutu so um, this made it a bit easier um, but if you have some more questions about this uh, please feel free to ask at the end of the presentation. So um, what I'm going to do uh, today is um, first I will briefly uh, tell you something about how transitional justice um, is supposed to contribute, uh, to contribute to state reconstruction after a violent conflict as this was also somehow my assumption or my starting assumption for my PhD. Then I will um, briefly present um, the normative model of transitional justice and especially um, some of its critiques, 
which are then relevant for um, the third uh, part, namely um, transitional justice as a political process, how I understand this and what it help or in what ways it helps me to um, to then come to the conclusion that transitional justice um, is used as an instrument for political struggle. And my whole PhD is somehow situated in um, evaluating the effects of transitional justice on state reconstruction. Um, just uh, before I really, really start, um, <laughs> A word on the pictures. Um, the photos are taken by myself, and the pictures, um, for example, the first one you've seen um, on the first slide, they are um, drawn by a Congolese artist, especially for me, so I have the copyright and I can use them, and I love them. <laughs> <laughs> because they somehow illustrate very well my, uh, my arguments, and I hope you love them too. <laughs> Um, so, um, transitional justice advocates um, have claimed that um, transitional justice is contributing or is increasing the trust in state institutions. For example, like prosecutions of perpetrators um, would increase trust in state institutions, especially like the judicial system. Um, they also propose reforms, um, which also is supposed to increase trust and the legitimacy of state institutions. Um, <clears throat> transitional justice is also supposed to restore the rule of law and um, confront the culture of impunity. For example, like accountability um, mechanism is a, is a good sign for the government, or the government can show with that that it is committed to the rule of law and uh, to good governments. Um, moreover, um, transitional justice um, should promote um, the respect for human rights. For example, um, a truth commission can identify institu institutions which should be reformed, but also uh, make sure that they function um, effectively and in a good way, that they respect human rights. And uh, finally, um, it is argued that um, transitional justice also contributes to um, reconciliation. For example, um, Eric Brom, or Eric Wiebelhaus Brom, um, uh, says that uh, truth commissions can, um, by conducting public hearings, they can um, start a national dialogue about uh, how um, society should look like and how a society can be reconciled and open that um, a state or also society can be rebuilt. Um, such claims are um, rather based on a, on a normative and ideal model of transitional justice. Um, although um, the different mechanisms of transitional justice such as trials or um, truth commissions have quite different designs and objectives they all share, or they all share the same normative position, um, namely um, crimes of the past shouldn't go unpunished um, or shouldn't uh, be dealt with uh, or through victor's uh, justice. Um, so transitional justice has um, in recent years become somehow a mantra, an automatic response to conflicts 
uh, to con post-conflict situations. Um, this normative um, model is um, well expressed, for example, in several um, UN documents like the Secretary General um, guidance note on transitional justice, or um, also like the first one written by uh, Louis Chouanet, um, the revised final report, the questions of, imp of the impunity of perpetrators of human rights violations. Um, however, um, there are some critiques, um, actually there are many critiques, but I just uh, address some of them because they are relevant for my um, topic. So um, this normative model is somehow based um, on the belief that transitional justice will be accepted as a legitimate and valued neutral tool. This is based on the belief in the universality of human rights and also of international standards and norms. So uh, it is believed that um, those mechanisms and transitional justice would be um, immune to local power struggles and also immune to political instrumentalization. Um, so law and transitional justice in this way become somehow um, detached from politics and political processes. As I will argue later, um, I think it's not the case. Um, second, um, transitional justice or transitional justice initiatives are um, rather operating with, um, instrument, with an instrumentalist um, understanding of local actors, social relations, and target groups. Um, for example, like, like they, they think that soci societies can be understood and manipulated, and that people will behave um, rationally, or at least um, predictably. Um, so um, transitional justice would not be manipulated transitional justice would not be um, adapted or filtered by local actors and so this results that like external interventions uh, or through external interventions transitional justice can be um, engineered um, I will also uh, show that or I think it's not it's not the case um, but to that I'll come later. So as a consequence, um, the effects of transitional justice are um, rather evaluated um, whenever the mechanisms function according to their mandate, to their goal, but um, it is less, um, or there are less um, evaluations on the impacts um, of transitional justice on, on social realities and also political realities. As um, Toms and others, Oscar Toms and others um, criticize um, that what we know about the effects of transitional justice is rather more or is more faith-based than um, fact-based. So um, evaluators um, seem to have assumed that um, seems rather to have assumed than problematized the effects of transitional justice. So we assume that they contribute to reconciliation, to um, state building or increased trust uh, in state institutions. 
um, moreover, those normative claims of transitional justice um, somehow play with uh, or are related to unquantifiable um, things and concepts such as reconciliation. It's very difficult to conceptualize it and also to measure it. And um, quite often counterfactuals are missing. So it's rather assumed that transitional justice contributes to reconciliation, but we cannot really prove that it does not, or that something else leads to reconciliation. So the aim of my PhD is a bit um, looking in this um, black box how transitional justice contri contributes to um, the reconstruction of the state. Um, I use here contributes um, in both sense, namely positively influence, but also being part of. Um, thanks to Briony for this um, remark. <laughs> and um, actually, there is not much research on transitional justice in Burundi, and the studies which have been conducted are mainly following a legal or are using a legal approach. I think you had Steph here yeah. some weeks ago. Um, he is looking at, uh, at law as a source and instrument of transitional justice and he is one of them, or for Burundi I think it's, it's really good thesis, it's really good research and he also put his findings into a political context. But the other research you can find on Burundi is really uh, following this legal approach. So their main conclusions is that um, um, international legal norms do not fit with Burundian context. context, so they conclude that the political will is something somehow missing and that transitional justice is contested and blocked. So just uh, some words about the transitional justice process in Burundi. I try to make it short. Um, Actually, transi the transitional justice process in Burundi started with the signing of the Arusha Peace and Reconciliation Agreement in, 2000, in the year 2000. Um, it was supposed to end um, cycles of violence which characterized uh, the history of Burundi since the country's independence in 1962. Uh, the agreement foresees a truth commission or truth and reconciliation commission as well as an international judicial commission of inquiry. In um, 2005, or both should be um, established uh, during the transitional period between 2001 and 2005, but they haven't. So in 2005, the United Nations sent an international um, assessment mission to evaluate the feasibility of this international judicial commission of inquiry and the resulting um, so-called Calamo report um, uh, said that um, it would be better just to have a truth and reconciliation commission and a special chamber in the court system of Burundi to um, deal with uh, those three international crimes. So um, crimes against humanity, crimes, uh, war crimes and um, genocide. Um, in 2006 and 2007, the United Nations and the Burundian government negotiated on the implementation um, of the recommendations of the Calamo report, but actually um, they could not agree, so they agreed only to hold um, 
national consultations on the establishment of both transitional justice mechanisms. Um, this has been done in 2009. The report has been published um, in late 2010. And then in summer 2011, the government nominated a technical committee which elaborated a draft law um, to establish the Truth and Reconciliation Commission. However, the Burundian parliament did not yet vote it on the law. So although the Truth Commission should have been started its mandate in January 2012. So Burundians are still waiting for this Truth Commission. So transitional justice in Burundi does somehow not happen, or it's happening only on a discursive level. There are no formal mechanisms, mechanisms which have been um, established. But I think if we understand transitional justice as a political process, we can nevertheless evaluate its effects or study um, the process. So my approach is um, uh, political science. So I'm interested in uh, the politics of transitional justice in Burundi. And understanding transitional justice as a political process um, would allow me to um, understand those contestation, this um, missing political will. Why is there no will for dealing with the past or for transitional justice? Moreover, I can um, bring back in uh, questions of agency and of power, who decides and whose views are reflected, and also how does transitional justice um, affect current power relations. Moreover, I can also take into account like rather unintended consequences. For example, when transitional justice is manipulated, what kind of consequences this has. Finally, um, I'm not looking at um, the effects of transitional justice on state building, um, but I rather uh, follow the approach of state formation um, if you want to know more about that, I can at the end explain more. But um, actually, this distinction is one established by Berman and Longsdale. Um, they call uh, state building, for them, is a consci conscious effort at creating an apparatus of control, while state formation is a historical process whose outcome is largely um, unconscious, and um, uh, it's a contradictory process of conflicts negotiations and compromises between uh, different groups um, whose self-serving actions and trade-offs constitute like the vulgarization of power. So uh, they use the state for their own interests or to further their own interests. So I'm rather looking at transitional justice and state formation than building, than building up of um, state institutions. So um, for me, uh, transitional justice um, is a political process. So it is embedded in political in processes. So each um, external intervention or e each intervention has implications on other go ongoing uh, political processes. So it does not happen in a vacuum. Um, international norms and concepts are always um, filtered, adapted, and appropriated by local actors. For example, um, Jelena Subotic um, argues that the distinction between domestic and international 
is misleading because like the international um, interacts with domestic political needs and strategies. So transitional justice is not detached uh, from politics. Moreover, um, transitional justice um, affirms or denies certain um, constitutional or political pasts. And it also has the capacity to um, adjudicate uh, the rights and wrongs of a conflict. So those uh, produced truths or um, facts, lessons and interpretations about the past are then um, translated into um, social and institutional responsibilities. No, are then translated into institutions and um, norms so that the lessons are somehow framed that this institution is responsible so it should be reformed in this or that way. And um, norms and also rules, um, they regulate our behavior, our uh, shape, our language and our um, relations. Um, but in the same way, they are also a way of um, conceptualizing and articulating how we would like uh, the social world to be. So there, there are values which are institutionalized. So in the same way, um, transitional justice um, reflects uh, social norms and values, and therefore it is not a neutral or value-neutral tool. And it is mainly in the field of politics where we decide about um, such norms or, or which norms are institutionalized and articulated. So um, therefore, transitional justice should be um, understood as a political process. Um, so um, it can happen, or it happens quite often, I think, um, that um, those norms and values which are reflected in transitional justice do not correspond to, to the international normative model of transitional justice. For example, like courts um, uh, advances a rather individual concept of, of guilt and responsibility. And in some contexts, um, this does not fit with the local perceptions. And therefore, uh, transitional justice is often contested, or the, or the political will to deal with it is often missing. So um, in a recent article I just published, I um, studied uh, the conceptualizations of justice, truth, and reconciliation of um, different political parties in Burundi and also how it influenced their position um, or their stances concerning uh, transitional justice in Burundi. I just uh, name here two, namely the CND, the FDD and the FNL, but if you want to know more I can give you the reference afterwards. Um, for the CND, the FDD, um, which is a former rebel group and um, now in power in Burundi, so they won a huge majority um, at the last elections, um, they uh, say that truth or a truth that would cause only conflicts is not useful for Burundi. Um, so uh, they advance a reconciliatory truth. So the truth should be produced in a way that it reconciles Burundians, that it bridges the gap between former um, enemies. Um, they conceptualize a bit in the same way also justice. They are um, 
saying that uh, justice promoted by a tribunal, tribunal, which is really punitive. Um, this would only reopen old cleavages and frame the conflict or, or the situation again in Hutu-Tutsi um, terms. So they would not be in favor of a tribunal which um, advances uh, punitive justice, but the justice has to be um, uh, there to reconcile. <coughs> um, so they're they are against the tribunal. <laughs> and the FNL, the other political party, it's, um, it's a very young party because um, the FNL um, before was the Burundi's last rebel group and it transformed into a political party in 2008 or end of 2008. Um, for them, they distinguish um, reality. So uh, for them, reality, this is facts actually, for example, like the body of a dead person, this is a fact. And they distinguish that from truth. So truth is the process to to know who killed this person and in which circumstances. And by distinguishing uh, those two phenomena, they somehow try to, to uh, morally and also politically uh, justify um, their um, violent rebellion because um, they can always say, yeah, okay, this person is dead, but you have to know um, the circumstances and the motives. And so they, um, as they are accused of having committed crimes, they um, are against the tribunal, but <laughs> not only because of that, but also because um, uh, they took up arms to fight against uh, social injustices because the Hutu uh, were excluded in the 1970s from, from government, from education, and so they took up the arms or arms to, to fight against that. So uh, they think that a tribunal would not address such um, social injustices. So for them, justice has to be a, a social justice in order that they can be in favor of, of justice or, or the tribunal. Um, but um, transitional justice is not only um, looking backward, but it's also looking forward. So um, Libo argues that um, historical lessons are always framed in relation to the needs of the present. So the past is framed in a way that it served uh, or that it serves um, to construct the present political apparatus and the state. So um, the past is framed in discourses that um, are linked with the, pro the project of the present and the future. It's also Alan uh, Feldman who says that the production of biographical bi of narratives of life, <laughs> biography, sorry, and testimonies um, occurs always in a specific cultural or in specific cultural um, situations, conditions, and they are limited by cognitive um, constraints and institutional norms. So that limits somehow the testimonies and about what is said. Um, so uh, for him, historical inquiry must attend the, those conditions under which uh, such narratives arise and also focus on the political agency that frame and, and replicate or authorize uh, such narratives. 
So this means for evaluating the effects of transitional justice on uh, state reconstruction or state formation, we can not only look at the outcome of transitional justice, not only what um, certain mechanisms produce, but we have also to look um, how actors um, framed transitional justice or designed transitional justice because um, it influences also which um, discourse and which narrative becomes um, dominant. So um, it becomes clear that um, transitional justice is, is somehow negotiated between um, various actors. And these are not only state actors, but also political parties and also civil society representatives. And um, I like very much this citation by um, Christine Bell. Um, she said, whoever can win the transition can win the peace. And whoever can win the peace can win the war. So it's really about um, their Im or the, the actor's impact in the transition or what is considered to be the transitional phase. And um, so political actors or civil society representatives, they are always try to, to frame this process in a way that which is, um, which is uh, favorable for them. So, um, um, so the past is, or the past somehow also becomes negotiated. So in the sense that which kind of discourse becomes the dominant one, the one which is authorized by a truth commission, for example. And therefore we have also to look at the intentions and goals of um, political actors. For example, in Burundi, um, transitional justice has been introduced or in the Arusha Peace and Reconciliation Agreement um, because um, both parties or there were 19 um, political parties who negotiated this agreement, but they somehow split along um, ethnic lines. So there were more the Hutu-dominated parties and the Tutsi-dominated parties. And those two groups accused each other um, to have committed um, acts of genocide. And they introduced um, this International Judicial Commission of Inquiry to somehow um, cut the debate, to, to give or to say that, um, yes, the other side did it. But they did not consider that they also could be accused. So it's, it becomes already clear that um, political actors use uh, transitional justice for quite different goals than um, transitional justice advocates um, uh, framed or uh, used the transitional justice um, or thought that the transitional justice would do. Um, it's also um, Jelena Subotic um, who claims in her um, PhD that um, the states uh, use this transitional justice mechanism to um, achieve different goals um, from those um, uh, uh, thought by transitional justice advocates. So she said that it can be used uh, to get rid of domestic political opponents or to obtain um, international material benefits or to get, even get membership or gain membership in, um, in, in 
international clubs such as as the EU her PhDs on the Balkans so it was I think Croatia who um, tried to get um, closer to the European Union um, in Burundi, um, uh, political actors also make use uh, or direct use of transitional justice mechanisms. For example, during the peace uh, negotiations in Arusha, uh, Tutsi-dominated uh, political parties, they um, claimed that a tribunal should be put in place before the elections in 2005 because they um, believed that many um, Hutu would be judged by the tribunal and put into jail, so they won't um, be competitors um, for the elections. Mm. So they thought that they could gain something through uh, transitional justice. And uh, transitional justice might also be used to gain um, international legitimacy. For example, um, today, um, the CNDDFDD, which is in power now, is somehow pushing the way or pushing the Truth and Reconciliation Commission um, as there is international pressure on them. And it's also used to um, not um, be obliged to talk about current human rights violations. So they use it to appease uh, somehow the international community and especially the donors. Um, but transitional justice um, can also be used more on a, on a symbolic level. For example, political actors try to shape a transitional pro justice process which is um, favorable for them. So um, I draw there on the concept of um, Hobsbawm and Ranger and their concept of invented um, tradition. They say that um, traditions are invented in order to um, establish or symbolize social cohesion um, of a membership group or um, of imagined communities. But they can also be established uh, to legitimize um, institutions or um, political authority. So um, political actors and especially new regimes or new governments, they try to recreate the nation in their or according to their own um, image also in order to give uh, legitimacy to their uh, political claims um, or their political uh, projects but they also use it somehow to distinguish them um, from the old government or the old elites so to make clear that we are the new ones and we are the good ones supposed to be the good ones so, um, for example, like the CNDDFDD in Burundi advances really a, a project of reconciliation. We should be all together, we should be reconciled, and upon this they built the image that they brought uh, peace and reconciliation to Burundi, although they have been a, a former rebel group. <clears throat> so, um, Transitional justice and especially also international norms or this international um, normative of uh, normative model is somehow um, used as an instrument for political struggles or for political struggle. And um, transitional justice um, plays out itself um, quite differently uh, from the expectations of transitional justice advocates. Um, so, uh, 
uh, this has certainly also implications for um, the evaluation of um, effects of transitional justice. So instead of only evaluating the effects of certain mechanisms, we have also to take into account um, these political uh, or political struggles, and that transitional justice is used uh, for political ends. Um, if we consider transitional justice as a political process, we can also capture those unintended um, and often contradictory um, effects. But certainly, um, evaluate the effects of transitional justice and state formation um, leaves us with some bigger questions. Um, for example, should we always um, conceptualize transitional justice as a political process? Or is there any value, or what kind of value is there uh, to have a transitional justice norm which can be used, which can be applied? And also, how should we um, understand uh, and take into account those different uh, local conceptualization of justice or truth without falling back in a culturally relativistic um, approach? And also, can we measure the effects of transitional justice and how we should measure them? And also, is there a value to measure them? And finally, also, how should we um, conceptualize um, the goals of transitional justice? Is it just fine about finding the truth, or are there um, bigger goals like reconciliation? So, um, to finish um, or to conclude with the last picture, um, this is the National Monument. Um, it is supposed to represent reconciliation according to the political parties, CNDD, FDD. Excellent.